0: You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Before I get really started in, I just want to read a couple of statistics. I was kind of looking as I was doing my research here for tonight, and here's a startling statistic. Only 3 to 5 percent Of Americans who give to their local church, do so through regular tithing. That's a shocking statistic. That church people don't give to God's kingdom. That they don't give out of the thankfulness for the blessings of God in their life. To me, that's a startling statistic. It's a lesson that I learned. Very early on, and uh, 37% of people who attended church every week and identified themselves as evangelical don't give any money to their church. That's a shocking statistic. Seven out of ten tithers. Do so based on their gross income and not their net. Kind of a positive there, I think. And people are more likely to practice tithing when they practice their practice begins in their teens or early 20s. So those are just some little tidbits before I get into the word tonight. and uh, I direct your attention to Mark, Matthew chapter six and verse 24. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture tonight. And uh, if you're quiet, that's okay. I also want to read from Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8. But Matthew 6 and 24 says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And really what that's speaking of there is you can't serve God and money. And we've all heard the saying, "The the love of money is the root of all evil. That's kind of interesting, but if you go to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8, it says, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. Kind of an interesting tag on there. Go heal the sick. Go cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. For you freely received. So freely give. So as I, as I start out this, this evening, I want to teach this from a, a very basic level. I want to teach it where if you've got it all done, great. I want to reinforce what you're already doing. But if you don't understand this process or never have been taught this process of giving and stewardship, then I want to give you a place to to identify and to pick up and and make your own. And so, as I start out, stewardship. Go to the next slide. Um. I don't know if you can read that real well. I was trying to get everything on there, and I was trying to cooperate with Pastor and get on the the same PowerPoint format. So my slides are a little off because I, I didn't have enough time to figure out how to make them different. So hopefully you can do that. If you would like a copy of my my slides later, I can email those to you. So stewardship talks about a steward is a person who manages the property of another. So, people sometimes understand the process of tithing, but then they think, the other 90%, I can just do whatever I want with. Well, I, I'm going to get to that in a little bit and maybe disturb your philosophy if I can. But God has given each of us special gifts and resources to help us become the person that he intended us to be. That's God's gift to us. God gives that gift to us freely. He gives us all these kind of things. You know, some of you guys are, are really mechanically inclined. Don't ask me about fixing a car. Every time something goes wrong, Brother John just cringes because he knows I'm going to come ask him, what do, what do you think's wrong with my car? Take it to the mechanic, he'll say. No. Um. But you see, I must choose to manage those gifts and those resources that are not my own. That is my gift to God. All the things that God gives to me it's my responsibility, my duty, and my privilege to be able to give back what God from what God has blessed me with. You know we have people here that are talented out of the I mean, just, I. I pour, every pore in their, their being, every time Brother Matt gets up here and he gets on a different instrument, or he gets up here, and we're, I'm just like, I, I can't even keep a tune or clap in time, or sing the song in key, I mean, and, and it's just, but that's what, each of us have different things that God has given us, but all of us have finances, different measures of finances, some of them more, some of them less. But all of us are level when it comes to tithing. Because tithing, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. Tithing is 10%. That's the first 10% that God's asking of us. He's asking that first 10% to be given back as our way of saying, God, I love you. Now, in the Old Testament, they did it out of duty and out of the law because they were following the law. And they were so rigid, uh, so rigid in that that they, they, they didn't want to be off by one penny because they didn't want to be at odds with God. But in the New Testament, under grace, we ought to be a little more free and liberal because It's because we love God. We want to return back of the bondage that God has put in our storehouse. The issue really is not about money, but rather it is an, a hard issue. Or, as Brother Kindle so eloquently said the other night, a lordship issue. Who's lord over your life? If God is lord over your life, that means he has ownership or he has authority over your life and mine. And if that's the case, it should not be an issue for us to say, God, I'm going to give back to your kingdom. When did he become Lord? He became Lord at Calvary. And when we came to the the altar and said, God, I want want to be your kid. I I want a better way of living. When salvation became ours at Calvary, he paid the price to be our owner or to be our Lord. We're not our own. We're bought with a steep price. Since the master owns us, he owns. Here's a thought all that we have, whether we have little or whether we have much. God owns everything. Is it no wonder that the scripture says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Here's an interesting thought. Communism says you're an instrument of the state, and the individual has no rights to their possessions or to tithe on them. In other words, everything you own, we give you because we're being nice to you, and it's ours, and we can come and take it if we want it. Capitalism says that man, a man can rightfully purchase and control whatever he can pay for. Christianity says that God owns everything. Now, on, moving on to the next slide, there are different categories stewardship and different categories of giving and you're gonna say hear me say stewardship and giving but both of them equate out to the same thing And the three areas and this is how Bishop Eddings always taught it when he would teach this lesson and, and, and it stuck with me and I'm one of those word people and so I like when when they get alliterations and you get letters the start and the same, so it helps me remember. Sometimes I need those the older I get. But we ought to be good stewards of our time, of our talents, and our treasure. Pretty basic and pretty simple. And we need to be stewards of everything that we have. And and I could spend a long time talking about each one of those three things. But tonight, God, a pastor has asked me to speak about specifically about stewardship. And they kind of bleed into one another. But our time should be given to God's kingdom and plan. We should use that time to help move the kingdom of God forward. That's our purpose. When God brought us into his His family, it wasn't just so that we could take up a, a pew. You know, because we could just sign our name on the pew and then just put a and we come sitting there every Sunday. This is my. This is where I sit. But God wants us to do something with the things that He's given us. We owe a debt that we can never pay. We owe to God our everything. In, in exchange for eternity, what are we willing to give? And so God gives us these talents, and He gives things in our lives, and. The church should never lag for the talents that you have in your life. If you're a plumber, the church should never look in yellow pages or on the on Google to find a plumber. You ought to just say, hey, I'm gonna take care of the plumbing of the church. I don't think there's any plumbers in the house, so you're all safe. I wouldn't want to do plumbing. Or if you're an electrician or whatever. Whatever your, your abilities are, we ought to use those for the kingdom. And I think I'm, pre- I'm preaching or teaching to the choir tonight, but, you know, moving on, we're going to go to finances. And ownership. We belong to the Lord. Psalm 24 and verse 1. If you can throw that verse up, Sister Monica, I'm going to go back and forth here a little bit. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. So, every person that's on the planet, whether they acknowledge God or not, they're His. That's what the Word of God's saying right here. We're, every part of every person, no matter whether they re- reject God, whether they don't believe there's a God, or whether they serve God, we're His. And, and so, if we are His, then he has ownership over us, and, and we are just the stewards managing the things that God has given to us. And so Adam and Eve refused to recognize God's ownership. And what happened? They got evicted from the garden and from God's presence. Ownership began in the garden, Genesis 2, 16 and 17, And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but the tree but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die and spiritually that's what happened to Adam and Eve tithing is a constant acknowledgement of God's ownership in our life every time we get a paycheck or every time we have As Bishop used to say, and see, I'm going to say that a lot, because this is where I learned a lot of these principles early in life. See, I I lost track trying to qualify what I was trying to say. But that's okay. All that we have is the Lord's, and we should use it to be spent for His purposes. We get a wrong perspective like the the Jews of old with their... Ritual, they'd have to really cross it off, make sure that they lined up exactly to the law so that they didn't miss out on what God was saying because they didn't want the, the judgment of God to come. But they did it out of fear and out of respect for the Word of God and for the authority of the, the Word that the Word was put in their life. But we need to invest out of our love for what God has done for us. Has God been good to us? I think every hand in the house could go out and say, God has been good to me. Even if God hasn't done a whole bunch, salvation is the greatest gift that we could experience, that God would take upon himself that I could be a part of his kingdom, unworthy as I am. When we invest, and Brother Ben, you like this, when we invest our, our talent, our treasure, and our time into the kingdom, we're going to see eternal dividends. We're not going to see, maybe see the dividends right here. But someday you may end up on the other side and bump into somebody that said, I'm there because you gave to the kingdom. And we need to have that, that, that mentality. God, I'm giving to your kingdom. It's not about I have to just do the mere minimum of what you require. But I'm willing to give whatever it takes for your kingdom to go forward. Nothing sown in the kingdom is without return. Moving on to the next slide. Tithing. It's an acknowledgement of the God first principle. And that's kind of what Kendall was talking about on Sunday. About him being Lord of all of our lives. Before the law, and I do want to illustrate something because people get confused about tithing. They say, well, a lot of this is talked about Primarily in the Old Testament. Well, let me let me let me just clue you in a little bit here. Before the law, Abel was killed by Cain over his jealousy over what he did wrong. He gave a wrong sacrifice. He already knew what he was supposed to do. God came back and said, Hey, if you just do what's right, don't be angry about it, just fix it. That's essentially, in our language, what God was saying to him. Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. Was Abraham before the law? It's not a trick question. Abraham was long before. And he paid tithes to Melchizedek, who was a type of the priesthood or, or a type of Christ. Long before the law and and he was specific Genesis fourteen and twenty if you can throw that up there sister Monica, thank you and be blessed and blessed be the most high God which hath delivered thine enemies into thine hand, and he gave him tithes of all so so here's Abraham paying tithes of all the the things that God had blessed him with. Jacob paid tithes. Over 200 years before the law, in Genesis 28 and 22. And this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now, is that a coincidence that these guys are paying a tenth part before the law? I don't think so. The law also incorporated tithing. And I'm not going to read all the scriptures um, for sake of time, but Leviticus 27 and 32 would be, if you're taking notes, would be the scripture that corresponded with that. Tithing was also reinforced under grace. And there are several scriptures here. But I want to focus your attention. Hebrews chapter 7, I'm going to read uh, the first eight verses, Sister Monica. For this Melchizedek King of Salem, priest of the Most High God. I want you to count about how many times you see tithing talked about or referred to as we go through this passage. Who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. being First being, by interpretation, king of righteousness. And after that, also king of Salem, which is king of peace. You want peace? He's talking about tithing. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but may like unto the Son of God abiding abideth a priest continually. Now consider how great this man was unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. There's twice. And verily they they that are of the sons of Levi who received the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people. There's three times. According to the law, that is of their brethren, though they came out of the loins of Abraham. But he that is, but excuse me, but he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. So there's four. And without all of the the contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. In other words, God has given those blessings to us. We're less definitely on that process. So there was four times in just a few verses, even in the New Testament, it keeps referring back to our, our tithe. Obviously, Cain and Abel have been taught the proper sacrifice. And tithe is also, go to Malachi 3 and 10, uh, Tithing is a window of blessing on our family. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in that house. If you're struggling with, with your finances and, and you can't make ends meet, here it is right here. That there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, said the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out, you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, has anybody ever had a blessing that big? Not yet. But we've had some pretty blessed times in our lives. And as I look back over my life, there has never been a time since I have been living for God and paying my my tithes and offerings that God has ever let me down. Now, there's been a few times that things have been tight and we we haven't known where the next meal was going to come from. But God has always come through. And, and, and there's a principle there. Tithing is holy unto the Lord. The tithes were used for the priests and the ministry who served in the tabernacle. Numbers 18 and 21. And tithing is given to God. And some this is where people get mixed up. I think you're ahead of me, Sister Monica. Tithing is given to God and used by God, to provide for the ministry. When we give to God, give our tithe, we're not giving it to the man that represented our pastor, that represents the office of the pastor. That's not who we're giving it to. We're giving it to God. And we're saying, God, I give it to you. I take my hands off it. I'm not saying, I'm not saying to the pastor, you need to do this with the money or you need to do that. God gives us a man of God to, to look after our souls. And that would be very unwise very unwise to put myself in a place where I'm at odds with my pastor or I'm trying to take control my pastor. My pastor has authority over my life. And when he became my, when Brother Blake was our pastor, I told him that. That was one of the first things that I told him. And when, when our pastor came along, I told him the same thing. Pastor, you're my pastor. You have the right at any time, whether I like it or not, to come and say, hey, you or your family or your son or your other, now both my sons, you, you have the right to come and say, they need to work on this. Or I see these things that are cause for concern. Because he's looking after our souls. And I don't want to be in a place where he's having to go work a job because there's not enough money coming into the, the, the storehouse. Is that plain enough? I, I, I'm not trying to be rude. I, I'm just, I, I, I feel pretty strong about this. Ron Blue said this, and he's one of these financial guru guys. He said, you can't fake stewardship. Your checkbook reveals all that you believe about stewardship. A life story could be written from your checkbook. It reflects your goals, your priorities, your convictions, and your relationships, and even the use of your time. A person who has been a Christian for a short while can fake prayer, Bible study, evangelism, going to church, and on and on but he can't fake what his checkbook reveals. Somebody once said, give me your checkbook and your calendar and I can tell you who your God is. Pretty interesting thought. Tithing is an act of faith and obedience. There we go. And we're given through the local church and I have several scriptures up there that I'm not going to take the time to go into all of these. I have probably... I don't know how many scriptures are on my page, but there's probably 30 or 40 of them, Sister Monica. But Matthew, excuse me, Malachi 3 and 10, we'll get there later on. But I, so I'm going to come back to that one. Matthew 10 and 10, 1 Timothy 5 and 17, we're given through the local church. That that's the way, the storehouse from which we're we're being fed, and so we want to be able to make sure that all the bills are paid and all of those kind of things happen. It's given for the, lo- the, the support of the local pastor or ministry. 1 Corinthians 9 and 14 and 1 Timothy 5 and 18. Here are some facts. What I do with my possessions reveals my heart. It reveals if God's kingdom is first. And here's the thing. My kids are kind of picky when it comes to food. They really don't like to, and if truth be told, I am too. I don't like to do leftovers very much. I, I like it. I like when the meal comes out of the oven and it goes on the table, and I, I like to sit down and eat it, the, the aroma, and, and just, I like it the first time. The second time, I might eat it. The third time, phew, I don't know. If it's not it by then, my wife knows what to do with it. Why would we give God the leftovers of our life? God ought to be first in our lives. And I'm going to come to it in a second, but when we place God first, he takes care of our needs. There's no ifs, no ands, no buts. There, there's nothing, no ways around that. If you do it, those of you who have been around a while and have, have proved this out, am I, am I telling the truth? I'm telling you you cannot outgive God no matter how much you try. We don't give God just so that he blesses us. We give God because we love him because he's been so good to us and because he he he's not asking for much when he asks for a tenth. And let me tell you when I've had 90% to work with There's a whole lot better result sometimes than when I've kept it and had 100%. So it seems like when I don't pay my tithes and offerings, the refrigerator breaks down or the car breaks down or I have an accident and do lots of damage to a car or something, you know. And I'm not saying that that's what happened to this last time. I just want to clarify that <laughs> because I, I, I believe in this. Just because something bad happens doesn 't mean there's somebody who didn 't pay their tithes that week, but placing God first, he will take care of the needs of others. The Bible talks about taking care of the poor and the widows, and so when when we put God first it's not it 's not a big thing when God asks a little more, you know. Once you help that brother, it's not the first. How many times have you come to church, those of you who have lived for God for a while, and somebody walk up and shook your hand, and when they pulled their hand back, there was money in your hand? That's happened to me multiple times. And how many times was that just what you needed right at that moment? Let me tell you, I, I, I have many testimonies I could tell about God taking care of me when I put my last in the offering. I learned that lesson. And i never forget, you know, my dad didn't always do things right, but he understood this. He, put his, he was in church. And we were going to the Baptist church. You know, God can still speak to you in the Baptist church. And uh, God spoke to him and said, you have 50 pounds left in your wallet. I want you to put it in the offering. And, and my dad said, but, Lord, I've got six more days until I get paid. That's all the money that we have. I've got to put gas in the car. We've got to have food, this and that. God said, put it in. It went back and forth. The offering came around, and and as the offering plate came to him, he he heard the voice of God very clear, put it in. So he put it in. And my mom's eyes got big, and, of course, she knew that was all the money we had. We, We hadn't been home 12 hours from church, and my uncle arrives from Canada that we haven't seen, that my mom hadn't seen in 25 years. My uncle in Canada is a millionaire. He is a tool and die maker, and he, and he invented the tool the, the tool that makes the, the ring pull on your, on your can of soda. He invented that machine. And so he has lots of money. Coca-Cola really liked him when he invented that machine. and, and But the thing wears out. So he kept getting residual income from one invention. And so he shows up. My mom and dad hadn't seen him for all these years. And he comes in and he says to my mom, let's go grocery shopping. He goes in and she, he just starts picking stuff off the shelf. And, and, and she's got like two carts and comes home with all this food. More food than my mom would buy in a month. And he was buying all the extra stuff too. There was cakes and... Chips and all kinds of fun stuff that the kids like. And then he said, "Okay, let me. I, I, I want. To, I want to help you guys out." And he helped my grandma out too. The same time that he was in, he paid off all my mom's bills. He took us to the, the clothing store. It was about time for school to start back in a few weeks. He fitted all of it, all four of us kids out with clothes ready to go back to school. And before he left, the the icing on the on the top on the cherry. My brother and I got our first bikes, brand new BMX bikes, and those things were awesome. Now, tell me that God didn't know when he was talking to my dad what was about to happen. He can open the, the strip purse strings of the heathen and bless his people when we do what's right in the kingdom of God. But the, God always doesn't say, I don't think anywhere else in the scripture but in Malachi, prove me, test me if I'm not going to take care of you. So my question to you is, what are you going to do with this area of your life? You see, we don't do it just for the blessings, but those blessings come anyhow. They just They just do. Mr. Monica, if you'll go with me uh, to the next slide, and then we're going to go to that scripture, Malachi 3, 8 through 12. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed thee? How do you rob God, who's a spirit? He says, in tithes and offerings, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, is it any wonder that the children of Israel got in trouble when they stopped, started being stingy with God. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. He's telling them the way out. That there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough for it to receive it. And I will rebu- rebuke the devourer. So all, all the bad stuff that's been happening, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast their fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed. For ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. So right here, God's saying, when I give all that back to you, people are going to see it. And they're going to say, what is it? How is it that you can have this and this and this? And how is it that you don't worry about money and this and that and the other? Because people notice those things about us. This is just the first phase of God's financial stewardship program. The tithe is the first 10% of all increase. This is an act of faith and obedience. Moving on to the next slide. My pages are sticking together and I'm Phase 2 Our offerings. These are an act of faith and love. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. Can you throw that up Sister Monica? I have showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let me tell you, it's fun when God blesses you, but there's something about when you you help somebody else, especially those that, that can't give back. When you have an opportunity to bless somebody, God put some a number in your heart to 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 help somebody to give to somebody or whatever, and you see the joy and the and, and you see the tears when when you see how God is blessing them through that small amount, whatever it might be, there's nothing like it. It, it, it's, so, it's so exciting to see God work in people's lives and then to see them turn around and do it again to somebody else, how that continues over and over and over, that cycle of life. So our tithe, here's an interesting thing. Back during the, the Woodrow Wilson administration, they got the income tax law, and one of the things that it provided for was that the first 10% of income was exempt if you gave it to a church or charity. That's pretty pretty nice. I wonder if what would happen if we'd go back to something like that. Just a thought. No politics. But the Orthodox Jews came back to Woodrow Wilson and they said, that's not fair. We have to give 15% minimum as an Orthodox Jew. 10% tithe. And then they had the tithe of the first fruits, which was an open expression of love. This was the first fruit from the tree, in addition to the tithe. And if you look, if you work, do the math on it, and I'm going to try and save you some time and, and the complicated, but it's one and two, one point two three percent. And then there was also a third year tithe, which, for convenience, they gave a third of it each year, which was three and a third percent. So you had Three and a third percent to one and two third percent, that gives you another five percent. And so the purpose of the first fruits was to remind the Israelites of how God had taken them from the bondage of Egypt and bring them to the land that flowed with milk and honey. And if you want to look for a scripture reference, go to I'm not going to read it for the sake of time. Uh, Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 10 will give you the backstory on that part there. Recognize they were recognizing from where God had brought them. And we need to recognize where God brought us from. I know where God brought me from. He's brought me a mighty long way. And if it wouldn't have been for the Lord, I'd have been sitting in a jail cell somewhere. Because that's the track that my family, in social status, that's where we were headed. My dad had already been there. The guys I went to school with, many of them went there, died there, died at doing something they shouldn't have been doing so i i am always thankful that god spared me from all that mess it's a recognition that god is the source of all our material blessings god's the source of everything you might say well i go work a job that's why i get a paycheck that's true but if god didn't give you the breath to breathe life how are you going to go work that job We should always give God the best that we have. No more leftover religion. There's enough of that out there already. And always put God first in everything. Matthew 6 and 33, if you can throw that one up. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God's good to us. Moving on to the next slide so that I get done because I don't want to be going as long as pastor goes. Pledges, phase three. These are an act of faith and sacrifice. It's a measure of the depth of our commitment and love to God. Mark chapter 12, verses 43 and 44, if you put that up. And he, and he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more, cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For they all, for all they did cast in their abundance. But she did cast in all that she had, even all her living. She gave everything. And that's just, to me, this, this passage talks so much to me. Because when, it, when we were broke, God blessed us, and we, we gave to the kingdom. And now that we're doing okay, we give to the kingdom, and God still blesses us. I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. I, there's nothing that I can do that can earn, but it, it's, it's that deeper level I'm coming to in God. And this series is about maturing in God. So we start out with ties. And that's the, the, the bare minimum. We want to do our bare minimum. And then we add offerings as we get deeper in our relationship with God and we begin to trust God a little more. And then we see that the hand of God has, begin, has, has been there. Even when we only had that 90% to work with, God was still there and God still helped us. And we didn't have, we maybe had ramen noodles for dinner, but we still had food on the table. And I've been there. You see, to me, I think there are three reasons that immediately come to mind, and there's probably more, of why people don't practice biblical stewardship. One, because they're ignorant. They, they just they haven't seen it in the Word of God. They've never been taught. They don't know it. They don't know any better. Guess what? If you're here tonight, you've heard it from the Word of the Lord tonight. Sometimes, though, it's people's lack of faith. And I've been there where, where money's been so tight, and some of you have too. Brother John, can I tell you a story about the, the dirt? Brother John and I have talked about the blessings of the Lord several times. And he was, they made a pledge to God, and then he lost his job. Is that Am I remembering that correctly? And so, But they wanted to still give, so they started selling dirt off their land. And God gave them enough money to pay all that pledge that they made to God, that extra that they were pledging to God because they wanted to bless the kingdom. And God turned around and gave them better jobs, and and he could tell you the rest of the story after all that. I don't know all the details, But what I'm telling you is God blesses us when we give to the kingdom. When we do our part, God just pours out of the window of heaven. And and if you're struggling with your finances, I challenge you to follow God's plan. I challenge you as one who's walked down those steps and, and walked through those places where it's been tough. But I made up in my mind, I made a conscious decision to choose to follow God's plan. Because He's been so good to me. How could I not give back? And then the third reason, and I don't know what people do here, is just a lack of obedience. They just, they just struggle with following what God wants them to do. Tithes supports the ministry. Offerings help upkeep the church and, and all that other stuff. And pledges are, are going beyond the walls. As pastor often talks about giving to missions, giving to SOC, SFC, building fund, mission, you know, all those different things that sometimes we do when a missionary comes and pastor wants us to just be an extra blessing to them. God's promised to open the windows of heaven. When we're making investments in the kingdom, God blesses When our, when our love for God increases, we want to give. As we develop in our relationship with God, go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 19. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. That, that's God's giving you warning. Hey, if you want to invest in something, invest. Not your.